Hey, this morning I want you to join me in prayer. Um, and I want to uh, pray for Africa this morning. Uh, uh, word this week that uh, the pastor, Pastor David, who is the pastor up on the hill in Bela, uh, he died from injuries from a motorcycle accident. And uh, it's just been uh, devastating news. Um, obviously for his family, for that church. Um, and so I want us to, to pray for that today just as we go to the Lord, as we start this time. So if you'd join me. Uh, Father, today we, uh, uh, we thank you for the opportunity we have to worship. Uh, Father, we, we thank you for the opportunity we have uh, not only to come into your presence, but Father, to be ushered to the throne of grace in our time of need. And so, Father, I know there's a lot of needs in our lives and some that are spoken today, some that are unspoken and burdens on our hearts. And, Father, I pray that as you give us those burdens that we would always um, reflect those back to you and to your power and your love and your, your grace and what only you can do, Father. And so, Father, today, uh, along with so many others, we... Um, as a congregation, uh, want to pray uh, from thousands of miles away for uh, Pastor David's little family and Father, that, that church that sits on the hill. And uh, Father, they've already had worship today. And um, I, I pray for just for the provision for his family. I pray for leadership for that church. And uh, we pray for all the people there. Uh, that need to know Jesus. And um, so, Father, I just, um, I know I find myself at a loss so many, other, so many times. Uh, but, Father, I thank you that you are God, that you're sovereign God. Um, and so we just ask for your hand uh, to be on those that surround Pastor David. And um, Father, you would just walk with him and give him strength in this time. And Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we go to Africa because there are people that need to know about Jesus. Um, we preach the gospel here in so many ways because people need to hear about Jesus. Only Jesus saves. Only Jesus saves. And um, I know none of you are like me, but <clears throat> Daryl Smith just likes to be in control of things. And I think I like things when they run my way, according to my wisdom and my plans and my agenda. Hmm. If you ever think God isn't a God of humor, just listen to him laugh at your plans. And, uh, you'll know he has a sense of humor. Um, only God, only Jesus saves. And he only saves as his spirit convicts and draws and convinces people of the truth. That's the whole message this morning. Uh, in the book of Acts, as Jesus was building the church through his spirit, we've come to Acts 2.14, and we've seen that the Spirit raised up leaders 
Secondly, we, we saw last Sunday that Jesus gives boldness to his followers to witness to him. And the first occasion of that is the book of Acts. And I want to look this morning at a, a third theme, and it's in verses Acts 2, 37 through 41. But I want us to get a running start at Acts 2, 37 through 41. And I want us to start in verse 29, because in verse 29, when we pick up really mid-sermon, but Peter is witnessing boldly to Jesus. And I want us to just get this running started, and I want you to see what he says, and then I want you to see what the Spirit of God does next. After raising up leaders, after giving boldness to testify to Jesus, We'll see that starting in verse 37 and verse 29. Uh, Peter preaching on the day of Pentecost. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that the fruit of his body according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus, God, has raised up, of which we are all witnesses." Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into he the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. I think there were other words. I know you read that and you say, hey, preacher, it took Peter like five minutes to preach that sermon on the day of Pentecost, okay? What about you? There was more, and he's going to say that later. I want you to notice starting in verse 37 what the Holy Spirit does after raising up leaders after giving boldness to his followers to witness verse 37 now when they heard this they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles men and brethren what shall we do then Peter said to them repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Uh, 
Do you understand? That day, the Holy Spirit drew 3,000 lost people to faith in Jesus Christ. What did, what did Jesus do in building his church that day? He added 3,000 people to the church. Do you understand the implication of that? Uh, Jesus builds the church by adding people to it. I, I know this is like, I know that sounds remedial. No, you understand what that's saying? The church is people. It's only people. But it's only people who've been saved. And the only way you can get saved, and it's, it's taught in this scripture, is that if the Holy Spirit draws you to sal salvation, 3,000 is a lot of people. I would dare say there were thousands more that day that weren't saved. But that day, the Holy Spirit drew 3,000 people to salvation. Um, and I want you to see in the text just a couple things. How the Holy Spirit draws people to salvation. And we see it in verse 37. Um, I, I want us, even before we get to that, to look at that first phrase in verse 37 when it says, now when they had heard this, I, I want you to get this link. There is a link between the, the, what the Holy Spirit does in the life of those 3,000 people with what the Holy Spirit had done in Peter's, specifically Peter's life to that point. And just put that in your mind. They respond to the Holy Spirit because of the witness of Peter that day and the others. After they had heard this, I think of that scripture. Part of what I'm, I want us to understand is we have a role in the activity of the Holy Spirit and even the Holy Spirit drawing the lost to salvation. Um, the early disciples were faithful to boldly witness to Jesus. I think of that verse in, in Romans 10, and I'll probably butcher this a little bit, There's, but, but Paul has this, these statements and he says, how shall they believe in him whom they have not called on? And, but then that next phrase says, says, how shall they call upon him? I'm sorry, I knew I was gonna mess this up. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? That's what I wanted to get to. Romans 10, 14. How shall they believe on him of whom they have not heard? Man, Peter just, he, he throws it out there that day. No, he preached Jesus to them. And I want you to get this link that in verse 37, now when they had heard this, but here it is. They were cut to the heart. The first thing that the Holy Spirit does in drawing the lost to salvation is the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. And that phrase that they were cut to the heart, this is used again uh, in Acts 7:54, when they're stoning Stephen. They were cut to the heart and they gnashed their teeth on that occasion. Um, the Holy Spirit convicts 
of sin. The Holy Spirit must convict of sin for the lost to be drawn to salvation. Until a person acknowledges that they are a sinner, uh, that they are not right with holy God, they cannot be saved. The starting point, what the Holy Spirit begins to do first is to take the words of the bold witness and cut to the heart and convict the person, the lost, of sin. Jesus described this um, the role of the Holy Spirit in, in John 16, 8. And he says, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Um, I want to say this. That the first work that the Holy Spirit does in the lost person's life is to convict them of sin. The Holy Spirit has a role. And the Holy Spirit is working in their life. This, uh, this sense of cut to the heart, it's actually a word that means to stab, to penetrate deeply. And it speaks of what the Holy Spirit was doing that day, not in the life of the believers, but in the unbelievers. He was convicting them of their sin. Peter was very specific about what their sin was. And it was in verse 36 when he says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, and here it is, whom you crucified. That's about as in-your-face and uh, aggressive as you can get. What did specifically Peter say their sin was? You crucified Jesus. Uh, and we realize that all of us that sat in this room, even though we weren't there that day, it was our sin that led to Jesus death on the cross we also crucified him he was crucified for my sins he did it for me he did it because of me uh, I distinctly remember uh, the night I was saved 1972 and this was the first thing that the Holy Spirit did in my life as Landrum level stood before us kids and I'm, I'm certain he went through the Roman road, those scriptures in Romans. That night, for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit said to me, you're a sinner, you're lost. Let me tell you, this should have been news to Daryl Smith way before when I was 10 years old, okay? Let's just be honest. I'm a little slow. Now, everybody else knew I was a sinner. But my wife just laughed over there. Did y'all hear her? No. <laughs> and it's still a sinner. I'm sorry, Amy. <laughs> this is, she's feeding me these days. I'm, I have to have her bring me stuff. I shouldn't be biting the hand that feeds me. I love you. You look gorgeous today. Um, Y'all know. Boy, that, yeah. Thank. 
What was I talking about? I was a, I was a sinner. I still am a sinner. Y'all know that, don't y'all? Um, and the Holy Spirit said to me, because of your sin, you're going to hell. I remember that. But that was the first work that the Holy Spirit did in my life. And we see that in the text, that the Holy Spirit is the one who cut to their heart. The second thing is that the Holy Spirit convinces of the truth. This is, there's kind of a negative aspect to convicts of sin. Okay, you're doing this wrong, but there's going to be this, there's going to kind of be a negative, positive, dual uh, work of the Holy Spirit and response upon our, on our part. So the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, but the other thing the Holy Spirit does is it convinces us, us of the truth. So when I'm sitting there, 10 years of age, not only is you're a sinner, Daryl Smith, and you're going to hell, but there's Jesus who died for your sins. But you must trust him with your life. You must give your life to him. And that night, I believed. I was convinced of that, that Jesus was the only way that I could be saved. And so there's, that was, that's the positive component to this. And we see this in Acts 2, just as we read 37 through 41, in 41, it says, then those who gladly received his word. I know it doesn't use the word believed, but that's what it's talking about. They received his word. What Peter told them about Jesus, they said, mm, we received that. Not only did the Holy Spirit convict us of our sin, but the Holy Spirit on this occasion also convinced them of the truth. Uh, in John 15, Jesus said this was what the Holy Spirit would do. Uh, John 15, 26, but when the, whole, when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. Jesus said the day will come that the Holy Spirit will testify to Jesus. You go, how does he do that? He does it in the life of lost people, not just saved people. The starting point is for the Holy Spirit, as he does in Acts 2, with those 3,000, to convict us of sin, but secondly, to convince us of the truth. Um, and so that's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. How does the Holy Spirit draw the lost to salvation? We see it in Acts 2. He convicts them of their sin, and he convinces them of the truth. But that's not the, that doesn't save someone. And this is where we come to. There is a response. Okay, so what, what is God doing? Well, God's convicting them of their sin, convincing them of the truth. What do the people do? In response, there's two things on this occasion. That when the Holy Spirit convicts them of sin, the call is for repentance. That's when they say, what, what, what are we supposed to do? The first word that comes out of Peter's mouth is repent. You have been cut to the heart because of your sin. You have crucified the righteous one. 
according to the plan of God, of course. In response to the conviction of sin, what do you do? I repent. I turn away from my sin. I feel sorry. But beyond the sorrow, I confess it to God. I acknowledge to God, it is sin. I am a sinner. I had to say that that night in 1972. That's part of what I said to God. I confess that I am a sinner. But there also has to be a turning away of sin, which, from sin, which is what repentance is. So it's to feel sorry, it's to acknowledge it before God, and it is to turn away from sin. And so in response to the conviction of sin, what do I do? I repent. The second thing I do, when the Holy Spirit convinces me of the truth, my response is to believe. We kind of have a chart. Jeremy, can we show that chart? Or It's kind of the, the flow of ideas that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, convinces us of the truth. The lost person's response in response to the conviction is to repent. In response to being convinced of the truth is to believe. Does, doesn't this make sense? We see that in the scripture. I mean, G, and Peter says repent. And we know that 3,000 people were baptized that day. They publicly responded to that. We can conjecture that we say, well, does it say that they repented? Peter said you have to repent. If they weren't willing to repent, they weren't going to be baptized. So it is implied in there that they repented of their sin, but it also it says that they received his word in verse 41, and so they believed in Jesus. And so there's, you see the work of the Holy Spirit, you see the response of the lost, which is necessary for salvation. This is what I'm saying to you. Yes, there were 3,000 people that were saved that day. I have to believe there were thousands others that did not repent and did not believe. But also in these verses 37 through 41, you, you see this idea of what God does. What does God do? When the Holy Spirit comes and convict, convicts us of sin and we repent, God brings forgiveness of that, those sins. He says, for the remission of sins. And I know some people mistakenly take that and they connect that to the baptism as if the outward act of baptism could forgive you of your sins. For the remission of sins is connected to the repent. When I repent... And it also implies, not only in the negative sense, this is kind of two sides of the same coin, when on the negative side I repent of my sins, and then on the positive side I believe, I place my faith in Jesus Christ, the thing that God does in response is he forgives me. He washes away my sins because of Jesus' death on the cross. That's what Jesus, that's what Peter was preaching that day. But the second aspect of that is when he convinces us of the truth and we believe what happens. We, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Also at salvation. 
God comes to live on the inside of us. And so there's kind of, do you get this? There's kind of a, it's, there's dual aspects to each one of these things. That the Holy Spirit convicts us and we repent and God washes away our sin. But, but salvation is more than just the getting rid of sin. Salvation is about being restored into right relationship with God. And so when we're convinced of the truth and we believe in Jesus, Jesus comes to live on, in the, inside of us. I've said this all along. We kind of, uh, I don't know, we, I think we struggle with the Holy Spirit probably quite honestly as Baptists. What I want you to see in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. It's not something different from Jesus. It's not spooky. It's not weird. No, it's Jesus. And in fact, if it doesn't look like Jesus when the Spirit comes out of me, hmm, it's not the Holy Spirit. Because God is one. Expressed in three persons. And so what we say to kids, we say to kids, do you want to pray and receive Jesus into your heart? And that's, that's all right. I'm not bashing that today. But I'm saying theologically, actually what happens is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, comes to live inside of us. God says, I'm going to so restore my relationship with you, I'm just going to come and camp out inside you. Until home. And you understand that until you live in my presence, my presence is going to live in you. And that is the Holy Spirit. And that is the work of salvation. And we see that in these verses. I didn't mention this, but in verse 39, it says, For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. As many as the Lord our God will call. Um, I've set this up and I hope that you can see it in Acts 2 37 through 41. But God was at work drawing the lost to salvation. That apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, we can't be saved until the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and convinces us of, of the truth. We cannot be saved. And we have to make a response to that. So what is the Spirit doing? He's raising up leaders. And the community of followers are boldly witnessing to Jesus. But in the midst of that, the Holy Spirit is drawing the lost to salvation by convicting them of sin and convincing them to the truth. And when they respond in repentance and faith, then God forgives them of their sins, gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit, and God adds to the church because the church is just people that have been saved by the grace of God. I don't know why there was 3,000 that day. Um, but the Holy Spirit was working that day. Um, and the Holy Spirit still 
works today. Shocker. There wasn't a point like, well, no, the Holy Spirit doesn't really convict people and draw them to salvation anymore. No. Until Jesus comes again, what will his spirit be doing? Do you understand the people around you? Do you know what the Holy Spirit is doing to people that don't yet know Jesus? Some of them at least. At times in there, I don't know. I don't know the mystery of it all. Now, there's people that you encounter that don't yet know Christ and God's Spirit is working in their heart, convicting them of sin and convincing them of the truth. And then they have to take that step to repent and believe. And when they do, God forgives them of their sins and gives them the gift of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that amazes me is that uh, what, this, what this tells us is that the Holy Spirit is not only at work in the followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is also at work in those who aren't yet followers of Jesus. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit was doing that day. Uh, Verse 33 that I read earlier, and this isn't on the screen. Peter says, therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. When God... This is, I think this is the reason 3,000 people were saved that day because God not only poured out his spirit and poured out speaks to the volume of it. Gusher. Huge quantity. Day of Pentecost. God not only poured out his spirit on the followers of Jesus, but the spirit was poured out in his convicting and convincing role on those who were not yet followers of Jesus. I want to say this. I think there's a connection between the two. I have to conclude that as the Spirit of God is more operative in the lives of the followers of Jesus, the Spirit will be more operative in drawing the lost to faith in Jesus. And I think you see it in Acts 2. Does it matter whether I am obedient to the Spirit of God? Yeah, it doesn't just matter to me. It matters to those around me. Because as God pours His Spirit on me, I just see this, that as the Spirit of God is more operative in my life,
then it is more operative in those around me, not just the followers of Jesus, but in the lost that he then will draw. Is Daryl Smith responsible for their response? Nope. Does Daryl Smith save anybody? Heavens no. But does it matter how I live? Does it matter if the Holy Spirit is operative in my life? Yeah, I have to say it, it has to be. Because on the day of Pentecost, as the Spirit was more operative in the life of the believers, we see that the Spirit of God was more operative in the lives of the lost. And what does the Holy Spirit do in their life? He draws them to salvation. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. And I want to pray. I want to encourage you before I pray that if you haven't signed up for the man retreat or grace marriage, you'll do so as you leave. I also want to say, if today the Holy Spirit draws you to salvation, the Bible says today is your day. I, I don't know the mystery of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to say to you, this is your only day. You probably have tomorrow, statistically. You may have next Sunday, the Holy Spirit may be dealing with you. But I've already told you, I'm not God. I don't know that. All I know, when I was 10 years of age, and as God is my witness, the first time I ever remember the Holy Spirit saying, you're lost, you're going to hell, but you need to believe in Jesus, I, I said yes. I repented and I believed. And you can do that today. Brother Will, Byron and I will be at the front. Um, don't leave. Don't leave today without making that response. And there's so many other people in this room that will tell you what God will do. God will forgive you of your sins. And God will come live inside of you. Amen. Amen. Father, today we pray and we depend and we trust and we plead for the work that only you can do. And so, Father, we pray not only would you raise up leaders to build the church, Father, not only would you give us day by day boldness to witness to Jesus, but Father, I pray as we're obedient to that, we pray for your spirit to convict and convince and draw people to salvation. And Father, may it be said of us that day by day, people were added to the church by being saved. So Father, today we um, just pray that you'd meet with us, continue to meet with us this day, and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.